Hey, Colin, just want to say, I think the addition war thing is very unfortunate. It's a shame that people feel the need to tear down something else to build up the thing they like. That's one of the reasons we're going to try to do OSR October, not anything against RPG Day, also participate in that, but the idea to maybe rehabilitate the idea of the OSR from this negative thing to just talk about the positive aspects and, you know, not, well, this is better than 5e or, you know, we're doing this because 5e does that, but to just focus on the positive and good things because there are a lot of good people in the OSR and a lot of good things going on in the OSR, just like there are a lot of good people in 5e and a lot of great things about 5e. So neither game is better or worse than the other by any means, and neither group's better or worse than the other. And I think getting sucked into the tribalism is, is a mistake. And I think it's better to just point out the positives of each. I definitely like to focus on the positive. I try and find the silver lining in the clouds. But at the same time, I don't think I can really escape the fact that when it comes to D&D, I'm squarely caught up in the middle. I've been playing for years, um, but I tend to play the more modern versions. So I've, I've really got a foot in both camps and it gets frustratingly uncomfortable. The benefit of that is I can see both sides of the coin and I can enjoy both. So there's the positive in that one. But I find I go through phases of just getting worn out by it all. I'm glad Jason called in about this because it's given me a good chance to mention an episode where he had Daniel from Bandit's Keypoint and they were talking about... The theme of the show was in defence of Call of Cthulhu, but... They talked about a lot of other stuff. And one of the things that Daniel mentioned was... He was explaining how he sees part of the problem with um, different groups talking about others' games. This idea of putting down one game to raise up their own. He he, he said it that, in his opinion, it's probably kind of accidental. And what the problem is, is people in their critiques... Uh, rather than picking out the positive of their game and explaining it, they tend to sort of take a negative of another game and explain why their game is better in relation to that negative. And he was talking about this compare and contrast mentality and how it can be misinterpreted. And I, I think he's onto something there. I urge you to go and have a listen to the episode where you can hear Daniel make a much better explanation of his his idea and his, his thoughts around this subject. In the meantime, I think it's about time I switch things up a little bit and you know what's coming. Day 14, tag D8 plus 1 friends with a suggestion of a new RPG to play. Sunday, day 14, and I'm changing this one up a little bit. Going to hit up my crew with an alternative to playing 5e. Simple as that. We're currently in Barovia, and I'm a player. DM Ricky's running. Got my uh, my son and my brother as well. Now, I'm going to see if those guys on Wednesday, Wednesday coming up, 
see if they're interested in doing some ICRPG. So I'm not going to be tagging them. I'm just going to be contacting them and suggesting that we get another game going, make up some characters Wednesday and start exploring the setting. And in order to um, get this going quickly, I'm using an adventure from something called Mouldy Codex. It was on Drive for RPG, I think. I printed it out, made a little booklet. It's just a super simple little zine for ICRPG and I don't know what happened to it the issue one there was um, talk of it being produced quite regularly and um, unfortunately like a lot of things it doesn't seem to have got beyond issue one and maybe the project didn't work out as well as the creator had hoped or they just had a change of heart and their interest moved in other directions. In fact, I might reach out to the uh, folks in the know and find out what the story is there. I'm, I'm sort of, I've intrigued myself slightly, but it's um, a pretty vanilla idea, just exploring an adventure location. I can't say too much, I don't want to give it away. Uh, but I will report back, let you know how we got on. Yo, Colin. So I just want to call and thank you for a couple things. One, thank you for inspiring Safer to get up on the mic and send you a message. I love hearing from that dude. Whenever I hear him, I always get excited. So Safer, put out another episode, dude. No, just kidding. But it's always nice to hear from you. Two, I also want to thank you for reminding me of Danger Mouse, man. I loved that show as a little kid. I haven't thought about it. it thought about it in a long time and yeah man danger mouse was really really cool it was one of the few probably like british shows that were over here when i was a kid so yeah man danger mouse kicked ass and also to let you know i hear you dude i don't really fit in with the 5e crowd i don't really fit in with the osr crowd hell i don't really even fit in with the pathfinder crowd man so you know yet here we are, right? Anyway, dude, you're awesome. Peace out. Now, Joe has surprised me here because I never would have imagined Danger Mouse being uh, an export from this country to the US. It seems the most unlikely of shows to make it across the pond. There was a big name in there. I don't know if he was a big name at the time, but he was also, I think I'm right in saying, Toad of Toad Hall in Wind in the Willows that I was talking about. And of course, the big character in Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy. And that is, of course, David Jason. All three of those shows are loved. And probably in no small part owing to David Jason. Hey, Spike Pit. I guess we grew up the same person, but across the ocean, I too... My second purchase was Star Frontiers. I highlighted that, and I think it's pretty cool that yours was too. Um, I love the box set, and it's I don't know what I honestly don't know what happened to my original one, um, but like I said, uh, a friend of mine gifted it to me, so so we had a lot of fun with that, and um, back in middle school for me, so uh, pretty cool that it's a parallel evolution. Of the kind of games i mean unfortunately i didn't get i wasn't exposed to a lot of GD, gw stuff growing up um it would have been, i'm sure i would have loved warhammer fantasy 
the first incarnation uh, from way back. I believe I might have seen, I know I saw those, um, but uh, I, I think I, I might have gotten, I might have had or passed over the, the Marienburg book, but I know I've played it or run it since anyway. Hey, Colin, you describing your early setting designs uh, shows your games workshop influence because, you know, the, uh, it, the the more skulls, the cooler, the more bones, bones, the cooler. So that's kind of cool. I, it's actually kind of cool because I can imagine um, a location like that in a Warhammer fantasy battle or especially Warhammer 40K verse where you're just walking on a beach and it's really a beach of bleached bones that are just crunching underfoot after, you know, from innumerable aeons of treading upon them and fighting upon them. Um, blood is just soaked. Blood and iron is soaked into the ground and it seems like that. Anyway, pretty cool. I'll probably use that and steal that for my Warhammer 40k games. Ha! So the interesting thing there, Carl, is the uh, GW stuff didn't uh, come before that adventure see i i wrote that adventure before i got into gw so it's like these ideas were already in my head and then when i saw the the gw stuff it kind of resonated with me early influences may have been some fighting fantasy in that first time i dm but i feel like i did that before i'd come across fighting fantasy even so i I can't be too sure where all them bones and the blood and all that came from, but the scene you described uh, is, yeah, it is pretty classic GW, and uh, yeah, man, I would not regard that as stealing in any way, shape, or form. You go for it, and quite touching also to hear about you. Uh, your star frontiers it's amazing how powerful this nostalgia is i know i go on and on about it but we do get this fondness for certain things and yeah yeah it's good times good times and i know i probably seem a little bit harsh suggesting that perhaps these games don't always hold up so well but i'm not entrenched in that opinion if, uh, if you get that game to the table and you want to tell me otherwise, I am all ears. So, um, yeah, I hope that happens. I hope um, hope uh, Nighthawks as well gets to the table. We had so much fun with that game, and I I never owned a copy. It was my, my buddies, and uh, I always quite liked that ship-to-ship combat thing. In fact, we used to play West End Star Wars, uh, Star Warriors, I love that game. Uh, I actually think that holds up not too bad. It's a little bit fiddly, but it's it's still a decent little game. Uh, kind of programmed and movement. Uh, yeah, good times. And uh, before we move on, Carl's got a little bit more to say in closing. Hey, Colin, this is Carl calling again, and I'm really enjoying your nostalgic lookbacks of when you first started in the hobby. And, you know, I would watch that show. I think it'd be a great contrast to the American version of, well, not with the weird crap, although that would make it more interesting maybe. But, like, Stranger Things is like the American version of the early D&D &D experience. But, um, man, 
like what you guys did. I love the part, the D and D party, then running on the street dressed as characters. That was kind of neat. Um, again, I would pay to see that show. Um, maybe, maybe you gotta track down one of the many friends that we have that are screenwriters and uh, sell them on it. I don't know. Uh, cool stuff, and I'll talk to you soon. Oh yes, Cole. I think you could be onto something there almost uh well what would you call it even stranger things maybe <laughs> yeah. um the 80s was interesting times in the uk uh, and and growing up i've got many stories and you would have heard other podcasters from the uk talking about their stories and yeah i, I think it would be easy enough to piece together lots and lots of interesting little tales that are kind of kind of quirky and uh, on a on a human sort of almost mundane level that's homely and and kind of nostalgic. I, I I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but a, a nice thought to to ponder perhaps. And it seems appropriate that we have the geomologist himself taking us into the, the question for day 15. Question 15. Who would you like to games master for you? Now I'm going to take a little bit of inspiration from Nerdmeister Connolly here. He was talking about authors and up until then... I hadn't thought of authors running a a game, an RPG, and I'm going to take his idea of authors and I'm going to raise you with illustrators as well. And I'm thinking, I've recently talked about Middle-earth illustrators, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking some kind of, maybe, well, the ultimate would be J.R.R. Tolkien for me. I don't know if he'd make a good GM or not, I kind of suspect that he would have to such a great storyteller and then potentially some of the illustrators the famous ones that have worked on middle earth whether they can translate their their skill into dming i don't know but i did meet a famous illustrator at board games expo one time and he did a, i believe he did a lot of work for pathfinder um and if I could think of his name, you would immediately recognise it, I feel. And he, he was a gamer, and he, he talked about his game, and I thought, yeah, he, he would be a cool GM to have. But there's loads, and it would be remiss of me not to mention uh, GM Ricky, who week on week is running a sterling game of Barovia I, I thoroughly enjoy it and it's well it's Monday today and Monday is gaming night so we're back, we're back in there I think we've got some a hag or some hags to fight so it's going to be uh, it's going to be an action packed one tonight but um, what is it, love the one you're with so yeah man, GM Ricky and failing that well I, I'd settle for Tolkien and hold on a minute, stop the press, hold the front page. Uh, I've even screwed up his tag. It's not GM Ricky. Of course, regular listeners will know that it is, in fact, DM Ricky. DM 
Ricky is the correct type uh, title for my man there and talking of um, screwing things up of course well it's ICRPG a day as well as RPG a day uh, a little private nod to my game of choice at the moment how could I not mention oh Hank hankering for an hour I mean how cool would that be to catch up with that guy in person face to face and get a game in there with the man himself that would be very cool indeed Yo, Colin, I am super enjoying all the ICRPG talk. Like you, I've been getting into it lately. Haven't joined that game of Vigilante City and then picking up Vigilante City and ICRPG Master Edition. I've been diving into it and your episode today on Hearts and Initiative. That's I, I love that stuff. It's always very helpful to hear other people talk about it. Uh, I, I learn better that way. So thanks for that. And yeah, it's a it's a cool initiative system. Another initiative system I like is uh, for Beyond the Wall. There, you don't roll at all. Your initiative, you have an initiative score that's based on your decks and your class, I think. And then your the PCs are sort of supposed to sit in that order, and then it goes like PCs, monsters, PCs, monsters. Um, I think that's how it works. Anyway, man, it's interesting, awesome stuff. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Well, fair play to you, Joe. I could not have asked for better timing from you. These episodes just put themselves together. It's like falling off of a log. Yet, yeah, initiative, something I've played about with no end. I mentioned it in that ICRPG snippets episode. And, yeah, pardoning the pun, I just go round and round in circles. <laughs> to and fro with initiative. Um... I, I can't throw any light on Beyond the Wall. I, I know it's a cool system. I know you like it, and hopefully you'll get back to that. And maybe uh, yeah, you can help me out a little bit with that Beyond the Wall, and perhaps I can help you out a little bit with that ICRPG. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? And, and perhaps in the future we'll even get the odd gaming again uh, online at some point. And before we get to our final call-in from Mr Connolly, I would like to give some thanks and make a shout-out to James Knight. He is the latest member of the Pit Crew over on Spike Pit Patreon. Um, thank you, James, for your vote of confidence and your generous support. Now, Mr Connolly, head of marketing, it would seem, has got some things to say. Uh, and it's a generous offer to promote me further on the interwebs. And I'm glad he has enjoyed the ICRPG snippets. And it would seem um, hot off the press that he's doing some more ICRPG content himself. So if you're, if you're into the ICRPG and it seems to be the thing at the moment, you've got Joe now getting into it. You've got Eric Sawsweedle. You've got... Jason, the other Jason here, and uh, yeah, it's it's gathering a little bit of momentum, so that's encouraging, and I look forward to seeing what folks are are talking about. Take it away, Jason. Hey, Colin, I really enjoyed your ICRPG snippets, and I think there is a lot of value to it. In fact, I'm going to plug it on my show, and in the future, when people ask about ICRPG, in addition to sending them to the YouTube channel to watch. Hank's YouTube videos where he breaks down the ICRPG. He has a couple teaching videos. 
I'll also send them to your podcast. So thank you for putting that up. Really appreciate it. I look forward to the next uh, iteration of it. Take care. And there you go. That is a wrap. A big thanks goes out to the pit crew, the generous folks supporting my endeavours over on Spike Pit Patreon, and a big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.